Dana, hello. Happy post Fourth of July. Yes, that, that that rolled right off the tongue, didn't it? It's kind of scary. They were midway through the year now. Yes, that's always a reminder to me because my daughter's birthday is January fourth, and so it's her half birthday on the Fourth of July, and it always always blows my mind. We learned something new. My youngest daughter's birthday is actually January fourth. So oh, how exciting! Holiday cool. babies. Yeah, I had a twenty oh. December twenty second, so close to Christmas. January fourth, wow. close to Clea. New Year and my third one, my oldest is a Valentine's baby, February 14th. Aww. So, oh my gosh, that's exciting! Yeah. Not to mention, my wife is Thanksgiving or the 24th, and some years it's so I'm the yeah. only oddball. <laughs> When's your birthday? You, you got to come out with it now, February 27th. So, nothing okay. we missed. Well, I mean, President you're almost a everything, baby. Yeah, that would have been cool. I would have, I would have been okay with that, but anyway, October 21st. Yes. You're not, yes, are you one of those folks that celebrate the entire month of your birthday or are you more of a, no. you like the fan? Yeah. Okay. I There's don't really, I don't are. like to be the, I don't like to be the center of attention. I don't even like to have a party per se. Like I like to have get togethers, but I don't want to like, I don't want anybody to look at me. Like <laughs> I don't like the pressure of opening presents and I'm a minimalist yeah. anyway. Like, but like I've always wanted like for my 40th, which was during COVID uh, the first year, year after COVID. And so I didn't do it. I wanted to have a golden girls theme party with like supplies and everyone came in like cosplay and stuff. And we'd have cheesecake and gefrugen flugen and like weird. I don't know. Do you know the golden girls? That was like, I didn't know. I don't know what it went right in my head. And so I, I may have seen one episode. That wasn't a real thing. I just made it up. Rose Island, (laughs) Betty White would see these like fake Scandinavian type things. Anyway, sorry. I digress. That's right. I usually am pretty good with TV trivia, but that's one. The one that throws oh me gosh. off is when they show the ages of those women when they are actually sh- filming the show. I'm like, wow. Well, that's a thing now, right? Because they show, show, they like put pictures of people that we watch. Like now, I watch like Nick at Night and stuff. In fairness, I was born in 1980, so a lot of this stuff was like pretty me, but not right. the Golden Girls. But um, and they'll say like like Carol Connor was like 45 when he played RG Bunker or some crazy shit like that. And I'm like, that's not right. There's no and way. And cheers. And I mean, he was like, yeah, 50 or something. So yeah, it makes Come me Come on, like John Ratzenberger. Yeah. He was like 40 or some crazy or like 35 or something. No, stop it. That's not right. Anyway. We're just aging better. That's all. So it must be. Yeah. It's all and just, I can't let it go, but I'm like, people listen to that pot. This podcast can't believe you don't like to be the center of attention. Not that you are, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm an extroverted introvert and I'm also neurodivergent. And so that like comes out. So it's easy to get me talking, but I don't necessarily want people to. I don't know. That's gotta be a know. blog post there. What did you just say? A. An introverted extrovert neurodivergence it's uh you know like people like uh, adhd yeah. autistic and okay um yeah i've learned a lot about my brain since learning that my daughter's autistic and um and a lot of the things that my whole life were just like quirky i realized like oh yeah yeah, yeah we're all we're all quirky and that's the beauty of it so that that's anyway. the truth and there we go and and now the transition is wins and losses <laughs> exactly so i know you had mentioned you may have a loss that you'd want to to talk about tonight yeah i don't mean to be all debbie downer but i found out this week thanks to facebook and that's not something i say very often yeah, thanks very to rarely. facebook i've learned that one of my favorite teachers he was a middle school math teacher passed away and um his name is keith church and uh, from the sound of it he was you know he didn't have any family or anything that was really tragic and he uh we had the same math same teachers for seventh and eighth grade we're like in a team and i you 
might not believe this, but I was very good at math, even though I'm an English major and a writer. And um, he, I, speaking of my mouth, I used to get detention a lot for talking during homeroom and the Pledge of Allegiance and all of that. You couldn't shut me up. And I would get detention and he would volunteer to sit with me because he liked to give me like high school math tests to do. He'd say, just, just try it. Just try it. And he would give me my tests back and I would, he would write the word careless really big on it. And, and next to it would be my score, which would be a 99. And it was because the mistake I made was truly careless. And so I knew even at 12 and 13, like that this guy cared and he wasn't doing it to be a hard ass, but because he was trying to push me to, to not make stupid mistakes. And so that always stuck with me. And, and he's always one of the teachers I, I thought about fondly. And so he was a good guy and really sad to hear that he passed away. Yeah, that is, that is sad. And it's interesting because I've been thinking since our last talk, you know, my mom, when I was young, I mean, she was one thing that stuck, there's a lot of things, but the one thing she stuck, she's like, if you're going to do anything, don't half-ass it. And yeah. maybe that's not even a term anymore, but it, that is stuck with me forever because she's not a business at all. It was nothing, but her whole philosophy, if you're going to do it, do it right. Don't half-ass it. And so I've been thinking the last week, how do I, am I doing that? Yeah. Right. It's always kind of stuck with me, but, um, I think it's a good transition too to what we're talking about. If hey, if you're going to go into this freelance world and you want to start a business, you got to go all in, right? There is. I know we got our side hustlers out there, and as you're thinking about it, but again, maybe not all in, but go give it your all. I think is a better way yes. of thinking. Yes, whether you're nine to five or five to nine, exactly. Like, and and there's easy traps to fall into where you feel like you're working on a side hustle, but you're actually not. Like, well, I took that course, or oh, I follow that person on Twitter, but you don't actually do anything so that can be looped into half-assing it exactly so that's our first lesson is don't half-ass it go well in or do give it your all if you're gonna do it and what i thought i'd hit you with diana to start this is you know we've talked in the past about some of the statistics about small businesses and startups and you know one out of updated numbers now that only three out of 100 get to a million and one out of 100 get to to 10 million. But I started to do some homework on kind of the freelance world since that's where we're, we're playing. And I, I give you, I'll, this will be a little test to start. So what do you think, what percent of our freelancers actually make more than $100,000 a year? 39%. 13%. Yeah. That means we've got an opportunity, folks, because not that 100000 is really nice, but you're probably not seeing the freedom and the flexibility and designing the life that you were hoping for at 100000 Now, it's interesting because yeah. like 30, closer to your number, does make 75K, right? 30% okay. is So, But yeah, that's not game changing. I mean, it could be, but when you add in additional taxes and expenses and all that, I mean, that that's, I think we touched upon this recently too, like- that's a uh, hundred thousand is not as much as you think it is no, when you get there and you have to pay your own insurance unless your spouse yep. or partners on right right and there's no 401k and so that's why you know it started thinking with some of the things in my business i'm starting to think more of the the three acts right and so, that's funny that you were gonna that's i'm sorry go ahead that's just funny yeah. that you said this. so 300k that's like your barometer for like not even hey like oh, okay. if you're at 75 now which you know 90 percent are at 75 so if you can just 3x that to you know again no help 225 
means it's going to give you a lot more flexibility. And I think, I right, what I've learned and I think you've learned is there's a way to do that without working any harder than you are. It's just how do you mm-hmm. put things together in order to get there. So what I used to say is like, well, I want to help you get to 10. Well, shit, we got to get to one before we get to 10. Right. Now I'm thinking, shit, we got to get to 200K before we worry about a million. It's just so many businesses. And the other thing that kind of struck me from the numbers were, you know, less than 50% are not ever going back to corporate. They've decided they're not going back. Good. I'm 100% in that boat. I want to see 90% of those people say they're never going back. And I think the increase in the skilled work that's coming to freelancers, because I think the original world was fiber and creative. Right. But now Up I think work, it's I starting to move into a much broader audience. And I think I read that by 2027, they're anticipating like 43% plus of U.S. will be actually freelancers. So I think we're maybe a little early in what we're talking with this podcast, but man, if we can get you know, 10%, 20%, 30% of the folks to help them get this and get to the life that they want and the revenue that they want, it's just going to make everybody. So nobody has to go back to corporate. That's our... Yeah. And the earlier you get in, the better. Uh, yeah. I know that sounds cliched, but when people automatically think of you when they need someone, like you want to be ahead of the game before the 43% are fully in because then the market's flooded. And, and you're already starting to see that a little bit too, especially with younger professionals who don't have any experience and they're coming in and trying to like charge the high rates and, and, and gun for that. So like do what you can now to differentiate yourself. Uh, to build your business in a smart fashion and to establish your brand because that's going to pay off in one, three, five, ten years. Yeah. I mean, and, and accelerating quickly. So, I mean, I do think with the, you know, the folks that are the more stats at 93% work from home or remotely, which makes complete sense. And again, building that freedom and flexibility into our schedules, our jobs, our lives, and again, just speaking from experience, not the first time, but even the most recently last year as I was going cons- kind of con- um, transitioning from consulting into more of a project, not even a project based, and a s- standard offering type of thing. How can I add the most value with the most repeatability within the offer? And everybody was kind of in that place. I know you were in that place where, hey, I'm writing, but I'm also advising and I'm doing these things really, really hard to scale and get the momentum going without kind of picking a lane. Mm. You know, I agree and I disagree because I think there's something to be said for having multiple offerings if they make sense together. Correct. Oh, no, yeah. I'm not saying just, hey, pick one offering. Okay. But, you know, like I was, I think I had at five clients at one point. I really couldn't take on anymore because it was all different. The schedules were different. I couldn't plan I ahead see. for it. And, you know, as I start to think futuristically again, just this is what's working for me at the moment is right. The one-on-one coaching with the kind of the, the freelancers that have gotten to a certain level working on the course, right. That's going to be repeatable. And then ultimately I'd love to invest in some of these businesses where it makes sense down the road. So it's kind of a stepped process but it took me a while to figure out how to get out of that routine of chasing the dollars, chasing the work that I'd maybe liked or didn't like, and then figuring it out. So, I mean, I think there's nothing wrong in in figuring out what is the work you like, what are the clients you like. Yeah. But if you want to get out of that 75K rut, you're going to have to pick a path or paths, right? It can be 
offer specific with yeah. you know, tiers, but just make sure it's something that you can automate or, or replicate at, at some level, right? Yeah, I like that because I'm working on the standardized content offering, which is really specific and very limited bandwidth wise so that I can give them that attention, but also the coaching component. And one is at the corporate level and one is at the individual owner level. Um, but they're, so they're connected, but it's an offering for me to service these brands at both levels. Yeah. So now do you think I, over time you'd, you'd, you'd focus on one or? or you, yes. You, oh. I don't want to do the content at all. However, I need multiple revenue lines right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I'm looking at the first, the content creation as a one to three year thing, Max. I'm very much like the previous guest who I can't remember her name now again, who um, like, I don't want to work. Uh, I don't want to work the month of December. I don't want to, okay. you know, and so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like summers, I only want to work very limited. And so the thing is that with the content, I can, get up at five in the morning, bang that stuff out and still have the entire days free with my daughter in the summer too. So it's like, so I'm going to feel it out. Um, I, I, um, I like it. I, I, it's still simple and it's refined for me, particularly because it's a very specific offering. Um, not the bombardment of meetings and all the crap because companies yes. can't get out of their own way and they bloat everything. So it's stripped down. You get my best work. Here's what it is. And, um, and I'm not doing the posting and the reporting and all that. It's content. It's not the yeah. shit I hate. It's the stuff I don't mind. And I'm really good at it And it's very easy for me to do. Well, and I think now we kind of covered it last week or in different pieces. There's resources, right? There's freelancers that yep. love to do the posting, that love to take the content and put it out there at a different price. So I think it just comes back to even what I'm 100% in, in your camp with multiple revenue streams and figuring out where it's going to go. I have no problem with that. It's, I guess, the bigger picture is you got to get focused on kind of a plan and a process for each of them so you know yes. how much time you have and it's not just battling the clock or battling the calendar yes. and trying to figure out you know what's next because you have no time to talk to new customers because you're on delivery the entire time and and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. I know there is <laughs> that is exactly where, where their struggle is, is how do I balance these, these two different things or three different things in some cases. Yep. And that's definitely happened to me. Yeah. I mean, with a, without a doubt. And I know we talked last time that we wanted to get into mindset and we're kind of halfway through the episode, but we're going to get there. Damn it. And we were talking offline a little bit that, you know, is, I don't know if it's, we get older, we get beaten down through corporate that, you know, we lose kind of the ability to think bigger than, than we should. And it becomes incremental. And I, th I think back in my career and what happened to me coming out of, you know, business school, I thought I could change the world. It was a bagel, you know, took over a small bagel franchise and say, we we're going to, we're going to compete with Brugger's, which some people remember, won't remember Einstein and Bruger ba Bruger's bagels isn't around anymore. Bruger's they might be, but it just got so hard to be a, a specialty bagel. But I had thought in even my corporate roles, right in my earlier years, I'm like, why can't we change the distribution system to make this work? Or why can't, I mean, again, it was just, why not? Why not? Why not? Then over the years, it became more of, all right, let's just be incremental. This didn't work. And so I don't know, failures may be a strong, but our I call them my lessons learned. 
that it just became much more incremental and I wasn't thinking bigger anymore. And then a couple of years ago now, I'm like, why not? Because we see these people succeeding that have like two or three years of experience, but they're generating $2 million in revenue. I'm like, no, I mean, good for them. And I'm never going to be criticize anybody that can do that. But there's a lot of us that have a lot of experience and I think and can add a lot of value. And we're not thinking big like they are. And I think that's part of what we wanted to talk about was just think there's no reason why you can't think bigger than, than what you're doing. You may not get there, but, but that's okay. Yeah. And I think, I think I mentioned this too last, last time when I first started out, I'm like, well, if I really work hard, I can make $60,000. Like, and, and that was very appealing. And there's nothing wrong with it if that's your goal. Uh, however, I came from an agency and what I should have been looking at was the fact that that agency was a small agency bringing in 10 million a year easily. And that there were so many layers that were getting paid out, you know, 20% of the sales drop, then you have the account manager, then you have the project manager, then you have all the administrator, administrative assistants, then you have the writer. And I was filling multiple roles, but, and then you also have the, the owner profits. It's like, well, wait a minute. They think they're paying for the output what they're getting from me. And instead they're paying like eight layers of people and the writer's not getting anything. So if I'm really good and I, I was good and now I'm really good and I eliminate all of that, I can charge that much or less or more. And it's all going into my pot. And like when that switch flips and people are willing, like willingly, happily cutting you a check, all of a sudden you're actually, you know, five, six, seven times what your original goal was. Like that's a, that's a mind blowing moment for yeah, you. Let, let, and it's, go ahead. <laughs> no, I want to, I want to expand on this because I think it's so important because sometimes we do, when we get to that realization, like I said, when I went to management consulting and I figured out what they were billing me out in, I'm like, shit, man, yes. I'm way undercharging what I should be doing. But what do we do with that information, I think, is part of what our lesson is, because I think there's probably a lot of folks listening say, yeah, I'm, I'm probably worth a lot more than what I'm charging, but what do I do with, how do I do this? And yeah. I think part of it is the, ability, the willingness to say no and getting very clear yes. about who you want to work with. And I know we've talked in the past about the abundance mindset versus you know the zero sum game. There's plenty of work for everybody, especially what we're trying to do. We don't need a million customers. We don't even need a hundred customers to do what we want to to get to our goals. So mm -hmm. it's starting to think back and having, again, we don't have to be super detailed process. That's not me. I'm not super detailed. <laughs> I need mm -hmm. somebody in my team that's detailed to help me, but it, it's thinking bigger and then really getting focused on where one, what you want to do and two, the clients that you want to work with and being able to charge and Hey, if people don't want to pay it, you know, I, I mean, I go back to my super, you're solving a problem for somebody. Yes. This is what it costs. If you don't want to pay it, then they're not serious about it. So don't waste your time. Move on. Or they value, view you as a commodity and you do yeah. not want that person as a client anyway. You don't want anyone who's going to break the bank to pay for you because they're going to try to squeeze every last dollar out of you and they're going to be your shit clients. I'm sorry. That is it. Like that's an unequivocal that's true. fact yep. that if a client is spending their entire budget on you, they are going to suck and you need to run. Don't do it. I don't, I, mm, that's easy for me to say, but if you're like struggling to feed your family, I get it. Like I've been there. I've had to take shit clients, but every time I know deep down they're going to be crap, they are crap. And 
it's just, um, so that, uh, that abundance mindset is huge because when, and, and a lot of it too, is like imposter syndrome, which is rampant in this community, rampant and it, and it holds you back. And when you go in and you're, you feel shaky and people can smell that. Okay. Um, depending on the client and, and then, and then you take less than what you're worth because you're too afraid. I, there was a time when I was, um, putting together a retainer and it was for someone I worked with with a previous company. So they knew it was good. They sought me out and I was like, oh, I can, I could charge this. And then I'm like, I literally doubled it and they didn't even bat an eye. Cause I'm like, this is worth more. I doubled it and they didn't bat an eye. So even at this, this late in the game, Debbie Downer, Buzzkill Mitchell that I am, uh, I was sure changing myself and we haven't even been able to touch upon that. No, I'm the buzzkill portion or the uh, not charging enough. But I mean, I no, think because you were talking about aim big. So yeah, before yeah, we were yeah. recording, I was talking about how aim, you know, think bigger is great. However, just be careful not to get too caught up in like these guys with the private jets and shit. Yeah. Post all over social media. And it's like, I'm going to be like him someday. No, you're not. And that's okay. I mean, it no offense okay. to like Grant Cardone and who the hell is this guy? Ed Milet and like guys like that. It's fine if they inspire you with their words, but they are like 10 times it. Well, that's fine. Aim for the stars and if, or aim for the, what the hell is it? Aim for the moon. And if you fall short, you'll no, be if able you to aim start. for the stars and you hit the moon, it's still a success or something along those lines. Right, I know we butcher like, these things. And now so anyway, time, aim but. high, think bigger. But so Buzzkill Mitchell is a moniker, self proclaimed. I've given that to myself because from a strategic standpoint, I'm the person in meetings and have been throughout my career freelance and corporate who asks why, who asks why, or I try to poke holes because by poking holes in early, um, you know, it helps you avoid massive issues down the road. But in this instance, it is more of a Debbie Downer perhaps than a Buzzkill Mitchell. So think big. I'm not yeah. saying not to think big. I'm just sharing my own story. However, just be be careful who you idolize and look up to for your goals. Uh, a million bucks, totally reasonable. 300K, absolutely doable. And it just is. I'm saying, but like, you know, are you going to be flying your private jet? Maybe, maybe not. And if you anyone listening ends up on a private jet, feel free to fly over my house and give me the finger someday. <laughs> right, exactly. But in the no. meantime. <laughs> but it goes back to the numbers, right? The numbers say yeah. that the freelance, 75,000 is our average. It's Or not even the average. Yeah. That's 100. So let's call the 100K the top 10%. Yeah. Not many people on a private jet. But I think you and I both 100% believe that we can carve out half a million dollars in revenue yeah. right now easily in this sense. But we've got to be... The, one, the hardest thing for me, what I learned through, again, my time bouncing to corporate and startups is walk away, right? The ability yep. to walk away from a deal early that just, hey, love these people. I think I know I can help them, but just watch the signs that said, you know, it's going to take forever. And if you have to sell somebody really hard, probably not yep. going to be the right. the right. Yeah, goal. no, I don't ever sell. Okay. Like it, so I've had people say to me, like, convince me why I need content marketing. Sorry. No, that's not no. my jam. <laughs> if you need a great writer who's been a, a strategic marketing leader who gets your business, like I'm your person, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you why you need content or why you need marketing. Like get out of here. And you don't have to, because there's plenty no. of people that already understand and have a need for this. So it goes back that's to right. our new customer acquisition is being in front of where these folks are. But I think what our our point is today is 
think bigger. I mean, if you're at a hundred thousand and again, if that's what you needed to supplement right. income and still give you the flexibility, congratulations, but you're probably not listening to us, <laughs> right? Uh, if, if you're happy, but if you're looking for that next step, you know, I think that's where we're going to keep spending more and more time is, you know, how do we get from that 75 to the 225 to the half? Because if we can't get people to a half a million or show how people have done that, then, you know, the million and the 10 million is, you know, a pipe dream, which is good. We live in that world and fantasize and say that's good. But let's sure back to reality. Let's says let's get through these two steps first and then we'll figure out how to get it. And I think, you know, back to that 3X comment that if we could get there, there'd be a lot more stress-free folks, right? Because one of the things that I saw in that data is their their number one concerns are, right, no health insurance and there's no 401k or savings, which means you've got to make more revenue income in order to pay for those things, which again, once you get to that revenue stream, then yeah, we always have stress, right? We always have yeah. worries, but you take that, that question out of the equation. At some point, if anybody's out there listening, I'll make my plea somebody's got to fix this healthcare system, especially for entrepreneurs and small business owners, because just a smaller size of the corporate isn't working, but yet I'm seeing nothing in research anywhere that somebody's figured out how to, to take a different approach. I know yeah, Mark Cuban's out. messing around with pharma. He should totally mess around with that because if 43% of the workforce is going to be freelancing soon, somebody's got to figure this because Obamacare is not the answer. I, I mean, and I've used, that's what I use. I, there are some like chambers of commerce and old school things that will offer yeah. it too, but not everywhere. And like I, I'm paying like $1,300 a month for high deductible plan. Like, come on, get out of here, you know? Um, but I'll tell you this, when I was making right around hundred K, this is in like 2014. I met a friend of mine who's an entrepreneur, a multimillionaire, very successful person. And he's like, Diana, set your bar at 300K. I'm like, wow. And that seemed like so far off then. And he's like, when I started making 300K a year annually, that's when you start to not have to think about money and you can just do and be what you want. And he's like, aim for that, set that as your next goal and then move from there. And, and that's something that I've always kept in mind. And, you know, he's right. And so for me, you know, talking about mindset to me, that also comes along with processes. And so there's a book I read uh, not long after that, actually, by Ramit Sethi, R-A-M-I-T-S-E-T-H-I. I will teach you to be rich. It sounds corny, but he talks about automation and systems so that the things that you talk about, Brett, like taking out your health insurance, taking out what needs to go into your, I can't remember what the self-employed IRAs and stuff are called, but have that all automated. So you don't have to worry about your health insurance. You don't have to worry about your uh, retirement savings. And that way you can just live your life. So when you hit whatever that floor is for you, if it's the 300K, whatever it is, then you have built up the systems to take care of the things that you worry about that an employer used to take care of. Then right. you can just live and be and do it. Just be that freelance entrepreneur who you want to be. And so, yeah, you have to make a certain amount of money to be able to do that. But when you do, that's a game changer. Literally, that's where the real, real freedom comes in. I yeah, think. no, I think 100 percent. And it goes back to that um, abundance mindset, right? Because if we're worried about, I mean, the old thing is, you know, takes money to make money. It's true. And it takes yeah. the right mindset to make money. And I get used to worry about a lot of these little expenses, which yes. we, we need to, but I'm like in the grand scheme, 
it ain't going to get me where I need to go. And, you know, I had the conversation with my wife a while ago. They said, look, corporate America isn't going to get you to the, to the freedom you want. You can have a nice nope. life. They'll pay for certain things, but you'll never get to that freedom that you the want or desire. And again, if you're uber conservative, that's fine. I'm not judging people that like that life. Sure. But like me, I spent way too much time in hindsight doing it, but, you know, better late than never. And I do think that you've got to think bigger. Like I said, if I'm going to get hung up on, you know, a Netflix subscription, <laughs> my mindset right. probably not in the right place because we're not going to get there. So fascinating. And again, I think you and I share that passion for helping more of us in our, maybe our earlier days, even me more so than you, to say, hey, you can do this and provide the right work. You've got the value. It's just how do we start to set up and drive this versus being reactionary? I think that's the other piece we haven't talked about is being proactive versus reactionary. I know yeah. a lot of times when we're starting, everything is reactionary. The client wants us to do this, or we're going to do that. And so, you know, once you can get, it's scary and it's not necessarily easy, but then all of a sudden you get that first client then the second client that you really want to work with. And you're like, shit, I can do this. This is okay. So I think part of it is just breaking through the glass ceiling or that, that barrier that that's in front of us for whatever reason. Yeah. And that imposter syndrome, cause that is real. Yeah. And it's, it, it doesn't matter what your gender or your background or your specialty is. Like I've met probably a hundred or more people who told me that they've struggled with this. And these are people who are extremely successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got to get the mind out of that gutter because it will hurt you. Because then you're constantly um, overthinking, you're second guessing yourself and it's just dangerous. Yeah, no, and focused on the wrong things. You know, I would like to talk about in a future episode too, maybe um, to give people an idea. So I am not one to say, here's the top 10 things successful entrepreneurs do in the morning. yeah. But I think that there's something to be said for talking about the things that we find help us to be in that right mindset. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and our own like habits. I think that's a good next, actually next one, because I'd had a bunch of notes for this that we don't have time for today. But yeah, the same thing that, again, I'm not a super detailed in process. I am process first from a business, but running my life, I'm more of like, yeah, let's go with the flow. We'll figure it out. But when you're running a business, you've got to put certain practices in place. And, you know, I can share my framework that I use. I know you've got one and we both have weird schedules that, you know, we have to work at certain times, which is fine. But if you can put some process and there's a few books that I've read and actually guests that have been on the podcast that have kind of changed the way I viewed a lot of this. So, yeah, I think that'd be a nice little tease for for our next episode. Cool. Let us know what you think, gang. Yes, as always, thank you for listening. Happy uh, post fourth. Go get it the second half of this year and you know whatever your goals are and what you're trying to get to. We still got plenty of time. All right, Diana. Awesome stuff. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. All right, cheers. Bye.